and welcome to the Pediatric Anesthesia Journal's Featured Article of the Month podcast for June 2021. These monthly podcasts are published on the journal's website, and you can also subscribe to them via iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. My name is Dr. Devnath Chatterjee, and I'm one of the journal's education editors. This month's featured article is entitled Self-Reported Awareness Under General Anesthesia in Pediatric Patients, a study from Wake Up Safe. It is my distinct pleasure to welcome the corresponding author of this article, Dr. Angela Lee, and the senior author, Dr. Jeannie Heitmiller. Both of them are pediatric anesthesiologists at Children's National in Washington, DC. Welcome to this podcast, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you, Dave. It's great to be here. So let's get started. Awareness under general anesthesia is a dreaded complication that everybody worries about. You report the incidence of self-reported awareness by children under general anesthesia. What prompted you and your colleagues to write this article? Well, a number of years ago, I had gone to an ASA refresher course given by Dr. Lori Lee about the ASA Closed Claims Project. So the subject of awareness under GA had been on my mind for a while. It's not a topic that is discussed much in pediatric anesthesiology education, or for that matter, anesthesia training in general, but it is a dreaded complication. Since awareness under GA is a serious adverse event collected by the Wake Up Safe Registry, and there were a number of cases reported to the database, we thought it was a good opportunity to study. For the sake of our listeners, can you tell us what is Wake Up Safe? Sure, Dave. Um, Wake Up Safe is a quality improvement initiative of the Society for Pediatric Anesthesia and is one of the first patient safety organizations certified by the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality. The purpose of Wake Up Safe is to improve processes of care and outcomes for children of all ages in the perioperative period. We started this improvement process by collecting and analyzing data, which is reported to the Wake Up Safe database by the 39 member institutions, and then use the aggregate data for each of the events to develop improvement programs. Wake Up Safe started collecting data in 2010, so we have over a decade of data to work with. So going back to your study, what is self-reported awareness and how is it different from the other definitions? Are there any implications of the different definitions? So self-reported awareness is awareness that is spontaneously reported by the patient to a family member or a healthcare provider. It is not elicited by a questionnaire method as previous prospective studies of awareness in children have done. In these previous studies, age-appropriate questions were asked of each child after GA. Self-reported awareness may have a lower capture rate and therefore a lower reported incidence for several reasons. Patients may not know what they have experienced, may not know how to initiate a discussion about the experience, or simply may not want to talk about it. On the other hand, cases that are self-reported may be the ones that have greater impact for the patient. What inclusion criteria did you use in your study and why did you exclude children less than five years of age? We included cases if the patients fulfilled two criteria. They were between five and 20 years of age and reported evidence of awareness with recall during general anesthesia. 
For instance, patients reported voices, procedure specifics, or inability to move, among other details. We excluded children less than five years of age because all the previous studies excluded this age group since they are generally thought to be unreliable and inconsistent historians. We did, however, list them in our table under excluded cases. So the cases are there for further examination. So looking at your data, are there any risk factors for awareness in children under general anesthesia? In terms of case type, we found that endoscopic gastrointestinal procedures and cardiac procedures were risk factors for awareness under general anesthesia. The overall incidence for awareness was 2.5 cases per 100,000 patients. In GI procedures, this incidence was 7.7 .7 per 100,000, which was about three times higher than non-endoscopy cases. In cardiac cases, the incidence of awareness was 20 per 100,000, which was about 20 times higher than non-cardiac cases. By the way, this finding in cardiac cases was statistically significant as well. We noticed that in two out of the 14 cases in our study group, both of which were cardiac cases, hemodynamic instability leading to a decrease in the amount of anesthetic given was considered a contributing factor to the awareness event. Now, certain anesthetic factors identified in other studies to be risk factors, such as difficult airway or multiple airway maneuvers, could not be evaluated as risk factors in our study, since the awareness question set in our database did not include an airway management question. That's very interesting. So were there any psychological sequelae after these self-reported events? Well, because all the cases are de-identified, we only have the information submitted by the individual institution. So unfortunately, we're not able to go back and obtain detailed information or follow-up data regarding psychological sequelae. What we do know is that five of the 14 patients reported to wake up safe required psychiatry or psychology consults. And of these, two received psychotherapy or behavior therapy. But we don't know if there were any sequelae other than that. So how should we be counseling our patients if we anticipate awareness or if a patient self-reports it? So regarding counseling, uh, if a patient is undergoing a procedure for which the risk of awareness is increased, such as cardiac surgery, I tell older kids that they'll be asleep during the surgery, but that there is a very small possibility that they could briefly become aware and, and hear sounds or feel pressure or pulling. Or for a patient that is undergoing a spinal fusion, I explain that there is a small possibility that they may need to undergo a wake-up test and what to expect from that. Now, if a patient reports awareness, it's most important that you believe the patient and don't try to dismiss it. You need to get as much information as possible and then explain why it could have happened and offer a psychology or psychiatry consultation, even if the patient does not appear to have trouble dealing with the event. Counseling should always be offered. That totally makes sense. Now, in addition to your study, I know there are a couple of other prospective studies by Dr. Andrew Davidson and Dr. Shobha Malvia looking at awareness in children. Can you summarize the findings of those studies? Dr. Davidson led two studies on awareness in children in the five to 12 year age group. In one study, they interviewed 864 children on three different occasions postoperatively 
and showed seven cases of awareness for an incidence of 0.8%. Now, none of these children reported distress or showed behavioral disturbances that were significantly different compared to the non-aware group. In another study, Dr. Davidson's group used three uh, types of animal noises played at three different points during general anesthesia and interviewed the children on three, two different occasions, excuse me, um, post-operatively. Out of 500 children interviewed at least once, they found one case of awareness. Uh, moving on to the Malvia study, Dr. Malvia's group interviewed 1,784 children aged 5 to 15 years on three different occasions after GA. Uh, they found 14 possible or probable awareness cases for an incidence of 0.8%, which by the way was the same as the Davidson study. In Malvia's study, none of the children required psychological follow-up. Um, in Malvia's study as well, GI endoscopic procedures were identified as higher risk for awareness. Dr. Davidson later combined data from five different studies, including the three I just mentioned, and identified the use of nitrous oxide during the maintenance phase and the use of endotracheal intubation as risk factors for awareness in children. Thank you for summarizing those studies. Before we wrap up, any concluding remarks or next steps? Well, Dave, you know, one thing we discovered is that Wake Up Safe is really the only pediatric awareness registry. And unfortunately, like I said, there is no way to follow up or support these patients. So it makes me wonder if we should have such a support group similar to M-House is for malignant hyperthermia, which is, as you know, another rare but potentially devastating anesthetic event. Thank you so much, Angela and Jeannie. This has been a lovely discussion. We appreciate you taking the time to chat and we look forward to more contributions from you and your team. Thank you, it's been our pleasure. Thanks, Dave, it's great talking to you. So this wraps up our featured article of the month podcast for June, 2021. This article will be available for free on the journal's website soon. Follow us on Twitter on at PDAnesthesia Please join us for next month's featured article of the month. Until then, cheers.